Hey, it's John Williams. If your home struggled to stay warm this winter, then you know it's going to be hot this summer. Maybe it's those old leaky windows and doors. Call Next Door and Window, the company we hired. Right now, you'll get buy one, get one 30% off, plus 18 months of interest-free financing. So call 1-800-NEXT-DOOR right now. That's 1-800-NEXT-DOOR or go to 1-800-NEXTDOOR.COM. Podcasts. It's like radio, but it's not on the radio. Hogan Johns. We will be perfect in every aspect of the game. Obsession. Being obsessed. Anything that you do, if there's an obsession with it, you realize that obsession. good things come from that. WGN Radio's very own Adam O. Let loose and just have some fun as you go about winning. And the Chicago Sun-Times, Adam Johns. Hot round! Fast seven! Hot round! Bring you Chicago's best Bears coverage. There's a different vibe around the building. Obsession. Everyone's just coming to work every day excited. Being obsessed. And that's what it's all about. And now... What's on? Here they are. Perfection. Hogan Johns. You know what's so interesting about that open is we kind of, that was like kind of going back it's to the original it. intro. Yeah, the original one from this, this season. season. Is that all that stuff that you heard in there kind of I mean that told the story of the season. The obsession, Trubisky talking about how there was a good vibe. I mean that stuff is all from last spring. Yeah. And it played a role winning in, and having fun while you're winning. Club dub. Dance-offs. It all happened. It did. It all happened. Except winning a playoff game. So you still have this driving force into next season. This was a, something I was thinking about this weekend as I'm watching, specifically watching the uh, both the Eagles play and then the, the game Saturday night that we should have been at, right? Um, Thanks, Parky. Yeah. It was, it was very fun shoveling. Five inches of snow on Saturday instead of being in Los Angeles. I saw the snowblowers broke. Yeah, that's out by the street. Hopefully mm-hmm. someone takes it. Yeah. Free snowblower at my house. I'm not going to tell you my address. So. <laughs> but <laughs> well, well, you can it, find it. It's free, but, but obviously you're disposing of it because it no longer works. Yeah. Well, it's one of those electric ones and the cord just broke. I could probably get it fixed, but... It's a piece of crap anyway. You're going to go for the upgrade. So we'll get the upgrade. I think we're supposed to get another storm this weekend. Yeah, we so are. I might be snow on Saturday. I might have to get on that upgrade. Yes. Quickly here. Nice gas motor. Whew. Uh, anyway, I was thinking on Saturday, if if the Bears, if I told you the Bears were going to lose anyway to the Rams on Saturday night, so either way, they don't win the Super Bowl. Is it better to go in the offseason Losing in the divisional round on the road after getting a playoff game or losing in such heartbreaking fashion that they did on the missed kick. Because it just seems like that is going to drive them so much in the offseason. Or does it not make a difference? I I think it makes a difference. I know what you're getting at. Did you see how Nagy did not sit still throughout that press conference? They were pissed off yesterday. Yes. As a week later. Yes. They thought they should have been in L.A., and it, it's still stewing in them. So, yes, it, it could help them next year, but you got a lot of staff changes. I know yeah. we'll get to it on the defense side of the ball, but, no, you want to win the playoff game. And you I'm not do. sure that just the round makes that much of a difference. I think what I was telling a lot of my friends is that the big part about the loss to the Eagles was that Trubisky didn't throw any interceptions, and he got them in position to win the game. I think you go into that offseason with number 10 as your quarterback, where if you lose in the divisional round and, and he just have has a miserable game and you're talking about, well, is Trubisky good enough? I, I think that's that's part of the, you know, that goes into the question too. Yeah, I think that's what I'm getting at here, and that, that 
as bad as it all was, and it, it's going to hurt. I, I don't. I actually think it actually helped next year. Trubisky ended up on a high note. The rest of the team is just stewing over this brutal loss and the whole Parky thing, which we're about to get into. By the way, I still think. Okay, do your do your thing. Episode two fourteen. Hogan Johns. Kind of a season wrap-up show here in some ways. We're going to go through this entire press conference uh, from yesterday at House Hall. Got a lot of audio to play. Uh, instead of playing the entire press conference like we often do, it's way too long. Uh, we're gonna. We, I went through and picked out the good chunks of things we need to talk about. You're going to hear all of it. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Our guy Joey Joe Rowe is here with us today. Back in the house, baby. See, I got this friend named... Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo? That's the worst name I ever heard. Hey, Joey Jojo! Joe Romano, you can follow him on Twitter at Joey Joe Rowe. Read us at WGNRadio.com slash Bears. I got a new 10 Bears things column up with all the juicy stuff from the press conference. Uh... Just my reaction to everything. ChicagoSuntimes.com is where you can read Johnsy's coverage of Monday at Hallis Hall. And, of course, search Hogan Johns on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn. Please rate and review the podcast. We appreciate you doing that. Um, all right. What were you about to say? Uh, I forget. Okay. Good start. No. I know what you're going to... I get your point about the losing helping. But I still think maybe they would have been motivated if they lost in the divisional round. Who knows? Maybe Cody Parkey misses in that one, in that fashion. You play to win the game. I'm always fascinated how how things that happen in the playoffs end up impacting the future. Like we we sort of touched on this last week. If the Bears win that game, does Vic Fangio leave? I mean, he could still be here. That's and the same thing happened when John Fox they lose that game. No one was expecting them to lose to the Colts in the playoffs. Uh, the Broncos I'm talking the about. The same thing happened to Matt Nagy. Yeah. Although they might have waited for Nagy. Yeah, probably. How, yeah. How, how much they were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he was their top target. But, um, for instance, like, what if Parky makes that kick? And then they go on the next round and Parky's good again. Yeah. Maybe it, they don't go into the offseason needing a kicker. Yeah. Now it's a completely different story. Absolutely. John Elway does not strike me as a patient man. Maybe Mike Munchak is their head coach right now and not their offensive line coach. How about that? Wow. So, yes, if the Bears played in the divisional round, even if they lost to the Rams, I think there is a better chance that Vic Fangio is still your defensive coordinator today. Absolutely. Yeah. But the Bears have to move on. Chuck Pagano is now the guy. we got plenty of stuff coming up on Pagano for Nagy and Pace. I actually talked to uh, Jared Payton yesterday at House Hall, too, our guy JP, because he actually played for Pagano at the U when he was at Miami. Pagano coached special teams and in the secondary, so uh, was coaching JP directly on special teams early on in his uh, career at Miami. So he's got some insight on that uh, and some good stuff. So we'll have that all coming up. Let's start, though, with Cody Parkey. Um, I kind of teed this up in my 10 Bears things as it, it, it brought me back to a press conference Nagy had a couple weeks ago where he was asked about his dark side. And this came up a couple times throughout the season. Yeah. Because he, with all the winning this year, and you heard it in the open, have fun as you go about winning. Like, that's what this team did. There wasn't a whole lot to get mad about. 
But there were certain times, and and especially on camera during games, where like you saw Nagy get hot. You saw how passionate he can be, uh, and how much how obsessed he is about winning. So I was really interested to see what the reaction on Cody Parkey was going to be. Not just you know a week of stewing of of the missed kick, but the Today Show interview which was just this weird thing that happened on Friday that w- was was so bizarre. And we'll get into it. But I was I was just really interested to see um what the reaction was at House Hall. And I don't I don't know that this was necessarily dark side is like the best way to describe it, but I do think you saw a different side of Matt Nagy as he reacted to a player who didn't exactly follow what this organization is all about now that Nagy's the head coach. So um, here he is. This actually starts, this is Pace and Nagy, but it starts with uh, Ryan Pace being asked about Cody Parkey's future with the Chicago Bears. We know uh, that position is, a, is, is an emphasis for us. Like I think you know, we understand we need to get better there. We need more production out of that position. And I, you know, Matt talks about it all the time. There's so much parity in our league, so many close games. The kicker position is critical. So we know we need to get better there. And it'll be an area of focus. Will you be a bear? That's those are things that need to play out as we go into it. You know, Matt was always he was going to appear on the Today Show. Did you talk to him before he did that? No. So I have uh, I have exit interviews with with all sixty five players on the team. It doesn't matter who you are. <clears throat> we uh, we get together and interview. And and Cody was uh, was obviously did did my interview with him and. Uh, and, and we had a good interview. You know, it was not uh, brought up at that time. I mean, there's so much stuff that goes on right after the game with just so many different things. Uh, so we, you know, d- that that wasn't brought up at the time. Right. Whenever, whenever Matt had a chance to talk about Cody during the season, he was 100% supportive. Didn't bring people in during the rough times. Will there be competition this off season at, at the bare minimum? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think again, that's going to be an emphasis, emphasis of focus for us, the kicker position, and uh, there'll definitely be competition there. Yeah, Matt, you mentioned that Cody didn't tell you about the Today Show in the exit interview. When did you find out about it, and what do you think of it? Well, um, you know, I found out. I don't even know the, the the you know the exact time that it was, but you know, for for me and and you understand that we always talk about you know a we and not a me thing, and. Uh, we always talk as a team. We win as a team. We lose as a team. And you know, uh, I just I didn't uh, necessarily think that that was too much of a we thing. Say, did you think it was appropriate? Again, I, I didn't think it was a we thing. So that right there Strong. is wrong. The most critical thing Matt Nagy said about any of his players the entire year. Um, and and I think we're all sitting there in a press conference going, and with that, Cody Parkey's Bears career is over. Yep. And what I was getting at with the dark side thing is, and even when Nagy brought he, that, those, those are his words. He talked about the dark side as something Andy Reid, and he even brought it up when he said it a few weeks ago. He doesn't necessarily mean it as a bad thing, but what what I believe that he thinks it is is just like when you have players who aren't following the rules, you have to show authority, a- accountability. Yes, yeah, you have to come down to guys, which is something that previous coaches here, previous general managers have not done. When you got players going up doing press conferences and giving out handouts and blah, 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 and all this nonsense that used to happen here in Chicago. I just thought that that was so significant that we learned a lot about Matt Nagy yesterday, that if you're going to cross his team, 
If you're if you are going to turn your back on the team and do something that's more about me and not we, he is going to hold you accountable. And the issue here, as plainly as I can put it, is Cody Parkey had a bad season, and throughout all the misses, this team had his back. The players, the coaches, and even Ryan Pace. Probably to a fault that they didn't bring in competition. Okay. They had his back all the way to the end. And so for him to go on this PR stunt Friday on the Today Show to paint him as this honorable player who handled the situation so well. Let me correct you. Most honorable player. Yeah, that's right. MHP. Savannah Guthrie. What the? Sorry. Most honorable player. (laughs) (laughs) When. They had his back the whole time, and for him to go do a me thing instead of a we thing, as as Nagy put it, it's no wonder that it did not sit well with the Bears. I know it didn't sit well with some of the players, and I, the only thing I'm a little surprised by at all is that Nagy was that blunt about it in front of a microphone, but I do think it sends the right message to the fans, the organization, and, and the, players. the players. That locker room, especially. I appreciate his, I've appreciated how candid he's been all year. So to have him be that forthright wasn't shocking, but to be that specific in it or that critical, mm-hmm. I should say, I, I came away even more impressed. Great move, absolutely great move. Look, when the players stood by him for two days in a row, Sunday after the game and Monday, I looked back at it and I saw them repeating their coach's message. Like you ask him after the game, what did the coach say after that loss? Tariq Cohen, I can still remember him saying it. You know, we, we win as a family, we lose as a family. So they stood by those messages. They repeated those messages in their fence of Cody Parkey. They did. For two days, they did that. Not once did I see, correct me if I'm wrong, usually in today's social media, when someone does something and it's shared and it goes viral, Cody Parkey's thing went viral on Friday. A player will react to it. He'll like it. He'll comment on it. He'll subtweet it. He'll do all sorts of things. They do it all the time. I did not see one positive reaction. I didn't even see one reaction from a current Bears yeah. player. I saw criticism from former Bears players. Lance Briggs, Owen Krutz, goes on and on and on. The rip job continued, and rightfully so. But I did not see one positive reaction, or even one reaction, from one of his current teammates. And that's why I think it's so important that the coach comes out and holds that one guy accountable. Because at your point, I didn't even think about that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, there was not a single public display of... And people pick up on that. Yeah. That's retweeted too. Oh, yeah. Even just a simple like on Instagram. Yes. That stuff gets screenshotted and then shared on Twitter and then it goes viral. You're right. It didn't happen. So even through all that Friday, this the rest of this team stood by what Matt Nagy's been preaching all year. The one guy who didn't, Cody Parkey, I think is probably out the door. Um, very strong message, I think, here. And, and you just look at good organizations. And we don't have to compare everything to the Patriots. You don't, the Bears don't have to be the Patriots. But if you look at the Patriots over the years, they have clear, set expectations from above with Bill Belichick. Yep. It's no nonsense. You follow the rules. If you don't follow the rules, you're out of here. And... Again, I'm not. The Bears don't have to have those same exact rules, but they need to have their own identity that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are clearly building here. And it's a, and I think this is a very optimistic um, sign that this is how it's going to be. So you're all in with us, and if you're not, 
We'll find somebody it's else. It's unacceptable. It, it, look, and it's different than Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, Akeem Hicks. I think all three of them have radio deals in, in town. It's different than that. It is. This, this is going on national television five days, less than a week after the worst loss. It was too soon, first yes. of all. And, and the topic isn't really about your team. It's about yourself mm-hmm. and how you handled it and how you carried yourself. It's a bad look. It's a bad look. Look, I'm all for redemption stories, but redeem yourself first. Do you redeem think the, yourself first. Do you think the message was made clear to him that he won't be back next year already? And that's why he did it? That no. that Well, that is an interesting uh, angle that I, I think Mark Carmen brought up to me over the weekend as I was talking about this on WGN Radio, that you know maybe he sensed that he was out, and he was trying to kind of save face for future jobs uh, and thought it would look good. But but here's the problem. I mean, I don't think it helped him, even with other teams. No. Other no. teams don't want to see you turn your back no. on a team like that. No, no. Did you see the Eagles' comments about him, his former teammates? Well, it, that w- and that was right after the game. Yeah, you know, and we were critical, you, you in particular, of what some of his Jason Peters was saying. The outstanding left tackle of the Eagles, which, you know, would, to be honest you, didn't carry much class, what they were saying. What did, what did he say again? It was like, we're not surprised he missed it. He hasn't been the same player since Jason he... Peters went up and, like, thanked him, he said, or something yeah. like that, which is absurd. Anyway, I didn't even see that happening. But, look, that's a bad look for them, and now they're out of the playoffs uh, as well. But, look, when your kicker's this disgust, I'm not talking about disgust, but talked about this much from the goose island kicking contest to the the bid to find the ball and blow it up like the steve bartman baseball it isn't good it's not good not good you don't want this conversation continuing here we are on a tuesday still talking about he's still being discussed on the airwaves well this is one of those chicago sports moments that's going to live on forever i mean it's I don't think it's qu- the double doink. I don't think it's quite the Bartman level thing, but it's close. No, no. And I think the good thing is at least this is a player and, of a fan, and not yeah. some random fan who's you know this is somebody who's getting paid a lot of money that failed to do his job. Still going to get paid a lot of money when he's not on the team next year. But can I can I say one thing about that the kicking competition over the weekend? It, it was fun. I enjoyed the videos. Cool thing that they did. This, this angle that's being spun, though, that it vindicated Cody Parkey in any way. Oh, no, that's absurd. That's, that's ridiculous. Absurd. That's absurd. They, first of all, it, they were kicking on a mat in a snowstorm. It was like kicking a 43-yard field goal on ice. Yeah. And even if it was in perfect conditions, we're talking about 100 bros that <laughs> yeah. that think... It's just fun goofball <laughs> stuff. That, that we're not talking about a, a professional kicker who makes $3.5 million a year. Yeah, Here's the thing. like when, when I saw some of the... You know, that's why Cody Parkey's one of the best 32 people in his job. And, and some, some of the columns that came out of the Cody Parkey stuff from non-sports writers, with, with all due respect, was just completely absurd. Yeah. That's it, it, just... It, just in general, I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to name any names, but I thought... All of it was completely absurd. And look, we all love feel-good stories. We all want to have moments to, to reflect on and learn upon. But look, this this is different. This is about a whole season where he was he, he was bad. I was thinking when I was watching all those videos, and I did enjoy them. Did you see the guy got hit in the groin? That was hilarious. <laughs> that, that was the best one. Now, does, he go, does, does he go on the Today Show this week? Yeah. Uh, well, the, guy, the guy hit in the groin, yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> What's the, what is the Simpsons episode? Who doesn't love a ball in the groin? <laughs> Football in the groin. That's what it was. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Mole man. Hans Mole man. Um, I know some like high school kickers that if given a real opportunity and not in the snow and, and had real turf could probably actually make that. Kick. I'm kind of surprised no one did. Yeah. There were, I was watching the live feed for it a little bit. There were some people coming close. Like they either had the distance but went left. Yeah. Or they were dead on and just missed short. Yes. Yes. No, I, I've seen high school kickers make like 45 yarders, 50 yarders in live coverage when I was a young high school reporter. It happens. But they didn't show up. And this cold day on Goose Island. What if Cody Parkey showed up and doinked it? <laughs> and slipped like the guy in the Fenwick oh jersey. He ate. Way to represent the Friars, buddy. He slipped on a kickoff a couple weeks ago in San Francisco. Yes, he did. Yeah. It happens. Yes, All right. Um, percent chance Cody Parkey is a bear next year. 0.001. I think I'm going to go all the way to zero. Okay. okay. Just, there's no way yes, he can be. I, I can't see it. So what do you do then? Well, I, I just I think this is the the easiest no-brainer pickup of all time. Robbie Gold? Yeah. What about Ryan Pace's promise for competition? Because you signed Robbie Gold. Well, there's no competition. I think that if you, if you listen to the order, and I specifically played everything in the order that the questions were asked and answered... Ryan Pace's comments clearly weren't as strong as Nagy's. He was giving sort of the GM speak, although I did think I did find it even when Ryan was talking strong that yeah, I mean this this job's up for grabs. It's very possible Cody Parkey's not back next year. Nagy put the nail in the coffin. But I still think to a point Ryan was giving sort of the GM speak. Like, yeah, we're going to have a competition. We're going to look at this thing, you know, I Obviously, if you sign Robbie Gold, there's no competition. Right. And I still think... Here, here's the problem. So you're eating the money. It's almost, I think, 5.2 in cap space. Yep. 5.2 million. It's, it's not salary. It's cap space. Right. It's affecting the it's three and a half it's different. Mil- yeah. yeah, it's three and a half million cash that he is owed, guaranteed next season. So you're going to... The cash goes out the window. The cap space, though, is what hurts you, especially considering the Bears only have like 20 million in cap space projected right now. We'll see if that changes. Now you got to go sign another kicker. Robbie Gold's not going to be cheap. But I also think you can't go cheap here. If you're going to just bring in competition and hope you find a guy, that that's exactly what the problem has been the last four years. I, I think given the track record of the last four years from the point they got rid of Gold, you can't go down that road again if you're going to be a good team that thinks you can win the Super Bowl. You you just what's the difference going to be anyway? One million versus two and a half million. You suck it up. You eat that money. Well, unless you're signing a, like an undrafted guy, you're looking for your next Jake Elliott. But but that's still a crapshoot. Yes, half the yes. time those guys work, half the time they don't. The the safe surefire move and one that will not be criticized is signing Robbie Gold. Like even if Gold has his misses next year. You, even you, even you, if he's you, terrible yeah, next you, year, you, no one can criticize no, it, that signing. It, it, it made too much sense. It, it would just make too much sense. So, yes, I'm on board. Although I'm intrigued and to see if they can maybe find the next Jake Elliott, and I think you have to have that mindset for the next two or three years, even if you do sign Robbie Gold. I know kickers have longevity, but you never know. Always keep your, your eyes open, but that's the safe, surefire move. Criticism-free move. 
as well for Ryan Pace to make. If you don't sign Robbie Gold and you still have a kicker problem next year, that's what I mean. That's yeah. five years now of kicker problems. Yes. And I'm including Robbie Gold's last season. Yes. Because he was not great that year. It's part of the reason why they let him go. Yes. He actually but, said being cut has been good for him. Right. And I think on that, the record saying that. That's been proven. And his track record since leaving has been incredible. Yeah. He he would come back highly motivated to be the same old Robbie Gold he was for this team. He would part yeah, part of this equation isn't just that his family lives here and he loves Chicago and he would be willing to come back. It's the opportunity to win the Super Bowl. He wants to win, yes. I mean, he was that close before, and now you have a team that's going to be in that hunt next year. Yeah, I just think it's the easiest no-brainer move. Do it. I, I, I do don't. It. I don't think there's any other option. Do it. Any other smart option that is. Do it. All right. Is it worth spending that much money on a kicker when you play most of your games in a stadium where like weather's inclement, the field sucks? You know, I it's it's not that I disagree with anything that you guys are saying, and I think you know bringing Robbie back is obviously the top choice. But you know, don't you think that they should spend more of their money, you know, to continue to develop the offense and to have more no, depth no, I, in the I, secondary I, and I, stuff I, like that? I hear what you're saying, Joe. I think a lot of us, are, myself included, are just guilty at underrating how valuable a reliable kicker can be. Like Cody Parkey cost the Bears two wins this year. Miami and the Eagles. So even if he say he makes Miami one, we're talking about completely different. They could have a first round bye. They could have had a first round bye. Then he misses the one in the Eagles game and everyone knows about the double doink, but just the just to hear Pace say actually what did he he like quoted what Nagy would say, knowing how close these games are. And when you're a good team and, and you got the tough schedule next year where there could be a lot of one-score games, having a reliable, trustworthy kicker is so immensely valuable for his team right now. I saw something on Twitter Friday. Uh, I'm forgetting who tweeted this, but someone tweeted, if Cody Parkey had made that field goal, I'd be on a plane to L.A. right now. Or the Bears would be on a plane to L.A. right now. Is it Patrick Finley? Maybe. Anyway, some but... There was a response, and I hadn't thought about it this way. Yeah, but if Parky makes that field goal in Miami, the Rams would be on a plane here. Right. Right. And I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. I mean, you think about it that way, it's... These games all matter. You got to have a kicker. You got to have a kicker. And it was a wild game in Miami that could have been settled with the 53-yarder. Now, I know it's not a chip shot, and I know Nagy deserved criticism for the three runs there by Howard in the end, but that was a wild game. A wild game. Adamitary would have made that kick. Just saying, a reliable kicker is immensely valuable, especially if you're going to be competitive. Next year, we all know about the schedule, first place schedule for a first place Bears team. There's going to be a lot of close games coming. All right, we got a ton to get to here, so we should uh, keep it moving. Uh, Chuck Pagano, Bears' new defensive coordinator. Uh, it was an interesting week. Vic Fangio uh, got the job in Denver. We we told you about that. We were recording live our last podcast when he took the job uh, and had that instant reaction. But then we didn't really know what direction the Bears would go in to get to find their next coordinator. They end up with Chuck Pagano. Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace talked about the hire yesterday, and Matt Nagy was essentially asked, "Why did you go in this direction?" With Chuck, um, from the the times. Uh, that we talked um, <clears throat> and just kind of seeing where he's at, number one, I always say this, it starts off with 
good people and good good high character. So that's number one. Uh, then you get to the second part. That's is the X's and O's part, and everything that we talked about in the interview um, is 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 uh, really what what I enjoy and what I think can be really good with this defense. Um, he he has an attacking. Uh, style mentality uh, he is aggressive but yet as we try to try to talk about all the time being you know calculated too you got to be smart with it but he's been doing it for a long time he's been in this league for a while he's had a lot of success he's been around some really really good defenses some really really good players on defense and uh, you know the more we talked the more that I felt like you know what this is a, a really good perfect fit for us and just really looking looking forward to it and excited for it Vic's familiarity, because of his continuity with the defense, you were able to give him a lot of freedom and ownership. Yeah. How do you see that unfolding with Chuck, and what is the value of his long track record experience? So uh, you, you always you have to take that into consideration. We had a lot of success uh, last year as a defense and as a team. and But as we talked about it to our guys when they left, is this is going to be a, a new year. And so... Uh, it's it's important that the players trust in, in us as coaches and, and us as an organization that we um, hire the right next people and that's what we're in the middle of doing right now and uh, you know so so far between Chuck and myself just talking through everything you know we, we have a, a solid plan on how we're going to go about doing it and I think everybody can feel really comfortable with with what we're going to do your desire to give him a lot of ownership is similar to, to how much oh yeah very very similar he, he's been in this thing for a long time and and has had a lot of success um, we're going to you know keep we're going to start, you know, building our relationship day by day, just like Vic and I did. And I'll have to, uh, you know, gain from the on the professional side of it. He'll have to uh, gain trust, and I'll have to gain trust back and forth and with each other. But that's the beauty of it. And then you do that, and you start giving ideas, and you start feeling more comfortable in the environment together. And and it's, but really, it's it'll be a, it'll be nice, and I, I feel like it'll be a pretty seamless transition. Right, right. You guys hired Vic back last year. You talked about the continuity and what he allowed you to do on that side of the ball. And given how well the defense performed, what does a change of coordinator do to either jeopardize that momentum and how do you make sure that it stays on that track? Uh, I think first for Vic, just talk, talking about him real quick, I mean, we couldn't be happier for him. I mean, a guy, talk about a guy who's done it the right way. You know, he's just kept his head down and worked and earned this opportunity. And there's only 32 of them, so. You know, Matt and I met with him a lot over those you know last couple of days, and you're just so happy and proud of Vic to be in that spot, and wish him nothing but the best because you know how we feel about him. But as we go forward, I mean, you know, Matt, as we talk, as we talk, you, it's an old cliche, but you're never staying the same. You're getting better, you're getting worse. We need to make sure we're getting better. So a guy like Chuck, the more research we did, it was almost like with Matt. Everybody you talk to, it just starts bringing you into to this person, and and Chuck just checks a lot of boxes that, that are exciting to be a part of. Like Matt talked about the aggressive mentality. Um, he, he's a great person. Um, he, he's a great evaluator. Um, he, he's had success where, he, where he's been in the past. Um, he's great dealing with people. Um, he's very collaborative. Those are all things that kept on coming up the more we met with him or talked talked about him so that's exciting you know I think it, I think it'll be good for our defense you know and and uh, we've got a lot of good players on that side of the ball and we're just looking forward to continue to improve right. in, that, in that respect how much will these guys be learning a new defense or learning a new language how much actual adjustment of an adjustment phase will, will there be 
Yeah, I think that's something, you know, Matt and Chuck talked about as they went through the process. And I think, you know, there's there's obviously going to be some kind of a blend. You know, we've done a lot of good things, but I'm sure Chuck's going to bring a lot of good things to add to the table as well. Yeah, they're, they're in a, you know, we're in a position here where they both have the 3-4 scheme family. And we've talked about it before where when you see all these um, these these 11 personnel offenses that teams are playing, you're in more sub-defense, four down. And so there's it, you're talking about a, a minimal part of the game when you talk uh, as far as 3-4 uh, versus versus sub. But then you have the, the the language part of it and where they're at. And, again, there's some familiarity there. you got to remember Vic and, and uh, Chuck work together in, in Baltimore. So whether, it's, so whether it's preseason or training camp or whatever, early season, will there be some kind, might there be some kind of step back relative to this year before you take a step forward? Well, we, we just have to – that'll be that'll be really neat to see how that goes, uh, and we'll have to monitor that throughout the uh, – uh, the the OTAs and getting into training camp, but anytime you have a change like this, it's not it's not like going into year five of the same defense. There there there's that's expected, but it's how fast can you get it back up? Now, it's also Chuck is. <laughs> he 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 understands what he's coming into here, player wise, and and we all as coaches understand too that when you're surrounded by good players, a lot of times it's the it's the players and not the plays, and uh, so they'll the. Chuck has tons of experience. He gets that, and he'll do everything he can to make sure that we keep this thing rolling. There's a quote in there that stands out to me right at the end. It's the players, not the plays. You have 10 starters coming back next year. Adrian Amos, Bryce Callen need to be re-signed. you got Aaron Lynch that may or not be re-signed. I don't even know what they're going to do with Amos and Callahan. I think yeah. you should still look for upgrades. I think the ambush could be a, a, maybe a better Pairing with with Eddie Jackson just in terms of speed. Mm. I think Amos is still underrated. Okay, pro football focus. Well, anyway, just kidding. I, I'm just in kidding. that case he was overrated. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I think he's a pretty good player. Yes, I, I like the hire of Pagano. Uh, I, I like the Bears' interest in him from the get go. I was very intrigued by Rex Ryan because I love the aggressiveness. I think the Bears, like they said. If they were going to change from Vic, I think they wanted someone who was a bit more aggressive. And Vic was, how would you characterize that? Um, selectively aggressive? Yeah, he. I mean, the Bears didn't blitz a whole lot. No, no. But that's because they didn't have to. I mean, when you can get home with four rushers, you can cover better on the back. But now they did not get home, and Nick Foles in the second half, in the fourth quarter. True. Just saying. Just saying. So there are reasons to want to find upgrades, even if that's using your players in different plays. It looks like they're going to have some widespread changes, though, on the defensive staff. Brandon Staley, he's joining Vic. He's, he's the first one to leave with Vic Fangio. Not surprising. It was kind of one of his right-hand mans. I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Desai, who truly was Vic's right-hand man, leaves for, for Denver. Glenn Pyers is reportedly out. So it looks like you're having wholesale changes in that defensive staff. Yeah, it's... Um... It just sort of happens. It's just the way it is when uh, when you have a coordinator change, when whole side of that ball ends up leaving. I mean, a lot of these guys are still under contract, but you know, the, you're obviously obviously going to get Pagano his say over who he wants on his staff, and um, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. But you you could have a ton of turnover on that side of the ball, and I think that conversation in what you just heard from Nagy and Pace about you know, sort of a natural step back. We were already talking about that, even if Fangio came back. I mean, the idea of coming up with 36 takeaways again is is kind of unheard of. So 
we were already discussing how the offense has to take a step forward. We'll get into more of that in a little bit. But now it's that much more important that, I mean, no one's saying the Bears' defense is going to be terrible. No. Not at all. The players are too good. But it's going to be different. And it's hard to expect them to play maybe to this level and be this dominant. So you want to have the offense that, well, God forbid, they give up a touchdown late in the fourth quarter in a playoff game. They can cover that up. Oh, we saw this. Yeah. Now they kind of now they did. They kind of did do that. But it goes back to Mr. Double Doink himself. (laughs) It's do the Bears have top five personnel defensively? I think so. Okay. So that immediately helps. It's probably why Pagano probably jumped at this job. I forget who else was interested. Was it Miami? Someone else was eyeing him, and obviously the Bears jumped on him immediately. Instant connection. Well, he got a couple of coaching interviews. Yes, he did. Packers interviewed him. Broncos interviewed yes, him. Yes, he did. So he's he's still sought after to a certain degree. Yes, it's it's fair to acknowledge that there will be a drop-off, but I, I still think they could be good on third downs. I, I think they could get more sacks. Or have a better sack percentage. I still think there's areas for them to improve. Now, to, for them to repeat the near 40 takeaways? No, but I, I think it's fair to expect Eddie Jackson, as good as he was this year, to be even better next year, in his third year. Roquan Smith, in his second year. A full offseason with Khalil Mack learning a new scheme. Vic Fangio did not have that luxury. That helps. I think Leonard Floyd, believe it or not, is a player who's still growing into it. To, to whatever he's going to be at the NFL. I, I still see him as getting better. And Pace did confirm they're going to pick up his fifth-year option. Yes. So there is still reason to believe individually that some of these guys can still get better. Specifically, I look at Roquan Smith, though, and Eddie Jackson. Uh, to get you guys a unique perspective on Chuck Pagano, I talked to Jared Payton yesterday. Jared played for Chuck Pagano at Miami uh, and um, has a not only a close, you. yeah, a close connection with Pagano, but some of the other guys are talking about maybe bringing in on staff too. This was an interesting conversation with JP. Uh, so here is Jared Payton on, I guess, his guy, Chuck Pagano. Chuck is a unbelievable guy, Adam. Uh, the way that he he coaches, his style of coaching, the way that he gets his players ready. He was there from '99 to 2000, so. When my dad passed away and I was trying to figure out whether I was coming back to school or not, I remember coming back and making a decision to come back, and that was the Virginia Tech game. I switched my number to 34, and he put me on kickoff return. And he told me that he, I get chills every time I say it, that he he had faith in me and that my dad was watching and that this was a big night for me. And just him being able to pump me up, I mean, he got me out there and I was nervous, you know. I mean, Blacksburg is a a scary place to play. And um, just to know that he had confidence in me to be able to to be back there was huge. So we've heard a lot from players and even media that have been around Chuck Pagano and talked about how good of a guy he is. And that seems to fit the culture here at House Hall. What about schematically, though? I know you didn't play on defense, but what did you just see from 
from what he did with the defensive backs at, at the U, and then also just you know from paying attention to his NFL career as well as a, as a coach in the NFL. I think uh, the biggest thing I can give you right now, the biggest nugget is the, the conversation that I had with Ed Reed last night, who is one of the goats and in going into the Hall of Fame. But when you look at the U and defensive backs, he was he was the biggest one there. Uh, I asked him one word to describe Chuck Pagano. He said, "Teacher." And I think that's huge because the way that he gets his guys ready, and especially with DBs and seeing him coach when he was in uh, Baltimore, he, he likes to use those DBs. He brings them a lot. You see a lot of uh, dime package where there's six DBs and he'll figure it out. I think he comes into a situation here in Chicago where he has the talent. Now he's just got to be able to put it together and um, just listening to you know Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy talk about certain things. He's not going to come in and try to change a lot. He also has a lot of guys here. Now he's got to be able to kind of form to what he wants to do, but also listen to his players. And I think that's one of the biggest qualities that he's going to do is listen to the guys and what they like to do. And then I don't see a lot of change in this defense next season. So you talk to Ed Reed. And he's coaching with Pagano this week, actually, at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl out in L.A. He's uh, Pagano's defensive coordinator. So there's been some speculation that Ed Reed could come to Chicago be a coach. I think he coached a couple years ago in, uh, in Buffalo or something like that. So how, you know Ed Reed. What kind of what kind of coach would he be? He doesn't have a whole lot of experience, but if he's brought here to Chicago with these talented players in the secondary. Could you imagine what he could do for Eddie Jackson uh, and take his, his game to another level? I think it's something that uh, he's thinking about. He wouldn't tell me if it was yes or no. Uh, but told me that I would be the first to know in Chicago if he decides to come here to do something with Chuck or if Chuck brings him. So I think it's on the radar. I think it would be awesome. And um, we're talking about one of the best, man. I just think the nuggets he could give these young defensive backs would just be priceless. So what, the one thing I've been saying with this whole turnover at defensive coordinator, it is a big deal. I mean, losing Fanjo is a big deal. But you also have to have the players and the Bears clearly do have the players. So I know it's been a while since Pagano has actually called defensive plays. I think 2011. The league has changed a lot. But you do tend to think that as long as these players are here, he's going to do okay. Yeah, to me it's all about putting your players in the best position to be successful. And... You know, listening to Ed talk about how he feels that he could do here in Chicago, he has all the confidence in him saying that, listen, he's done this before. Yeah, the league has changed a little bit, but it comes to those guys that walk across those, that, those white lines. And when they're on the field, can you put them in position? Listen, Vic wasn't perfect by any means. There were certain times here and there, and I think Pagano's going to have his issues here and there. But the guys that are going on the field, when you got guys like Khalil Mack, Keem Hicks, these guys, listen, you not a lot of those guys that come around that often. So having those guys is definitely going to help. And I see Pagano kind of listening to these guys, listening to what they like to do, but also maybe bringing something out of them, maybe that we didn't see Vic bring out of them. Hopefully maybe this is something that's going to energize these guys and coming off a season that they had you know, last year, this is, this is a big deal. One thought on the the Ed Reed coach, um, I don't know, rumor, report, whatever you want to call it. Um, sometimes the best players don't make the best coaches. Yep. 
Now, that said, I could completely see an advisor role of some sort come about, even if it's just for training camp in the preseason and he's gone for the the regular season. There's so much time put into coaching, time that I don't think all players are ready to handle. I truly believe that. And, And I think some of them recognize that. You talk to some of these former players, and they see what's at stake, or they see what's uh, what what's involved. The the five to nine hours, you know, the it's not nine to five; it's five to nine for some of these coaches. It's it's just different. It's a different lifestyle. I don't think some players are ready for it or even capable of it. But that said, if he wants it and Pagano wants it, I could completely see a situation where Ed Reed comes in in an advisor role, maybe like how Brad Childress did. Early sure. on this year to help things get going, especially during the offseason program. Yeah, he doesn't have a whole lot of coaching experience, so um, that's a kind of a big job to throw him into. Uh, by the way, I, as of when we're recording this, Ed Donatel still hasn't moved on. It's interesting. It's very interesting. I mean, that tells me they're trying hard to keep him. I think they realize how valuable he was to that secondary, the work he's done with Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller and Bryce Callahan and. Um, now, Roy Anderson is out. Yep. He's now, basically the safety's, safeties coach. coach. So maybe he is going to join Vic Fangio out there, be a secondary coach. But it's interesting. I mean, Ed Donatel is in his 60s. He's been with Vic Fangio since San Francisco. They're like really close. Really close. BFFs. Ed Donatel, don't, don't underestimate the power of Super Bowls, though. Yes. I mean, you're going to go win a Super Bowl in Denver right away? And now I overestimated that power for Vic Fangio. And we had this discussion in terms of... Yeah, I just thought the opportunity to be a head coach. I underrated that. Yeah. Right, because if you look at the the scenarios, the situations, obviously the Bears are closer to winning the Super Bowl. But maybe that's it for that Donatel. Maybe that applies more to him than it did for for Vic. Maybe. It's just very interesting that that has not been resolved yet uh, as we record this on Tuesday morning. So, anyway... I think that covers it on Chuck Pagano. It's going to be interesting to see how this defense adjusts, what pieces are brought in. Um, but I do think that this is about as good of a situation as you could have put together on very short notice after losing somebody as important as Vic Fangio. Yeah, they'll be okay. Again, it's the what's it's not the X's and O's, but the Jimmy and Joes. Is that the is that the uh, saying something like that? Yeah, I, first time I'm hearing that. You never heard that one? No. Okay. So I'm going to just patent that right now. It's not the X's and O's, but it's about the Jimmy and Joe's. That's, uh, that is an Adam John saying. <laughs> I know. I, I did not make that up. I've heard that before. Golly. That's my guy, Dal. Uh, yeah. Who got a head coaching interview with the Dolphins. That's right, he did. Damn they, right, he did. Were they just bored one day and like, uh, we don't have anyone coming in today. Let's just talk to somebody. Yeah, I think they interviewed two guys that day. I'm guessing Dal's interview was very short. You know, we're trying to expand oh, his package. Oh, you get the joke? He struggled with expanding his package. Oh, I got it. I got it. Dal's my guy. Okay. He's probably going to join Adam Gase in New York. Probably. Probably. All right. Um, speaking of offense, let's turn this conversation to the offense, and then we'll get into this Kareem Hunt conversation, which okay. is very, very interesting. But keeping it on the Bears right now, uh, one thing, I did have one question I wanted to go back to from the game against the Eagles, um, mainly because, you know, everyone wanted to know why Tariq Cohen only got four touches. I've been saying all week, I just thought the Eagles did a really good job of taking him away. I think the Trey Burton absence hurt. 
contributed to that. So given in a week, we hadn't talked to Matt Nagy since right after the game. Asked Matt Nagy, was it just a matter of the Eagles taking number 29 out of the game? I think it was pretty much a little bit of a com- combination of that. And, uh, you know, uh, y- you guys have seen it all year long. Sometimes there's games where he might get a lot more touches. It, I don't think had anything to do with when he was out on the field. And sometimes when we have a play called, it, it's supposed to go to him and it doesn't because they take him away. So um, it can it can be at times, um, you know, when, when you only get so many targets or, or – touches there's times where i'm at me as a coach i'm going to get challenged on those situations it's not if (laughs) if you think that i don't want to get to rico on the ball then we need to reevaluate where we're at because i don't think you know me too well so uh um i you know what i could i go back and wish he had more touches absolutely um but i can't and so now what i need to do is figure out uh, if teams are going to try to take him away certain ways and how do we get other guys the ball and and how do i get him the ball more when they try to take him away so you take that and think about it, Adam Hogue, for asking that question. So take that and think about that for a little bit. I don't think he was talking to me directly. I think he... he was, that, you asked the question. He was looking directly at you. I think he knows. You don't know me very it well, Adam Hogue. Like, the two times he got agitated with questions this year was when Lazarus, Mark Lazarus was poking him after the game about yeah. that very question, yeah. and he got surly about it. Yeah. Like, and who the hell is this guy? <laughs> and then I, I brought it up yesterday, and I don't think he was talking to me directly. He's talking to Laz. He shouldn't be talking to me directly. I've been the one defending the the whole not getting Cohen the ball, which is a tough thing to defend. I remember the the wheel route that Mitch Trubisky kind of underthrew to Cohen. Yeah, uh, even though I think it was kind he of also, a throwaway. He also because dropped he was under pressure. the screen with blockers. Yes, yes in front he did. Of him. Yes, he did. Look, I, I, again, I, I must stand by this. I think Trey Burton's last minute groin injury. It really changed the Bears' plans. I mean, you're putting in, you're installing this offensive game plan all week, and then all of a sudden the guy has an inflamed groin, and I know it turned out to, at least according to Ryan Pace, all the MRIs, all the scans did show inflammation in the groin. It was, quote, a real injury. A real injury, yes. Um, not anxiety-related, but, but who's to really say? Um, I don't want to say too much because I don't know too much in terms of that. So... I think it changed. They did also say that they thought he'd be available against the Rams. Yes, yes, yes. So that changed a lot of things, and obviously I think it affected Tariq Cohen's usage against the Eagles. All right, moving past the the game against the Eagles, I thought you had a really good question, and then we'll get to Trubisky, but I thought you had a really good question to Matt Nagy uh, on his thoughts, just overall thoughts of the ebbs and flows of this offense in year one. It, it was uh, it was probably what I thought would happen when you when you talked to me at the beginning of the season that you you would you would love it to be at the very bottom and then just continue to you know go one track the whole way that didn't happen there were some highs and there were some lows you think about the Tampa Bay game and every you know how great that was and and then you think of these, some of these other games where whether it was a half or a quarter where it just didn't look very good uh, but to me what I'm most excited about is when we get to OTAs. And we get to training camp. I can't even begin to explain how pumped up I am to take what we just put together this past year and fine-tune it to our players and our coaches and our scheme and then just get it down to what we think gives us a better opportunity to be much better next year. Alan kind of talked about you know that OTA period where uh-huh. you're not working on getting guys lined up anymore. They kind of have the football 101. Right. Is that where this yeah. 
kind of take off? Yeah, so, so think about this. These guys, it, this was learning a new language when they got here April 3rd. They had no idea, no clue. So when we go line up out of practice, they're trying to figure out what's my split. Is it minus two from the top of the numbers? Is it plus two from the bottom of the numbers? Am I in the alley split? Where am I? Uh, they, they all know that now. We're speaking the same lingo. So when we show up and those guys show up in, in, uh, for OTAs now, now they're on to, remember I kept saying 101, now we're on to 202. And I, I hope, at least it's my job uh, and our coach's job, to make sure that that happens. And our guys are, from the exit interviews that we had, they're really excited to get back to that. I think even you saw in the Eagles game, late in the year, 49ers game, plenty of examples, Vikings game, you saw some guys have, I don't want to say slight hesitation, but it would take time for them to get aligned properly. Anthony Miller stands out to me. I think he still, I don't want to say struggled to learn it. It was just brand new for him. It was a lot different than Memphis, and he still had a pretty good year. There was an admission by Mark Helfrich, I want to say early December, that maybe they were throwing too much at these guys and they had to scale it back a little yes, bit. Yes, yes. So it, it, it's a nuanced offense, complicated. It's not only for Trubisky, but it's it's for everybody. And it's so detailed that these splits matter. It affects the timing of your quarterback. Everybody's so quick to blame Trubisky for interceptions, overthrows, and all that stuff. But what if a Taylor Gabriel was supposed to run that route three yards deeper? And that's where Trubisky was throwing it. These are these are things the quarterback gets blamed for and rightfully should because he is the, the quarterback, most important more, most important position in sports. But there's so much that goes into his success, more than his own knowledge of the offense, we should say. I think that there was a very, whether they want to admit it or not, I think they did scale things back a little bit, starting the moment Mitch Trubisky threw that third interception against the Rams. From that point on, the rest of the season, everything seemed to be a little bit more simplified. Um, Maybe that was a good thing. But on the flip side, the offense wasn't really impressive from that point on. I mean, they ended up winning four games to win the end of the regular season, which is great. But I and I think I said this in the post game after the Eagles loss. Like I was getting ready to to write a column about how this offense just kind of didn't do enough down the stretch of the season. And I don't know if that's worth panicking over or be, or worrying about in the offseason, but it is interesting. I like how you asked that question because, like Nagy said, he, he kind of wished that it was a linear arrow going up the whole year. Yeah. And it was all over the place. I mean, that, that, that it was up, down, up, down. I, I, I think it actually as a whole finished down, even though maybe at the very end, Trubisky went up, yeah. if that makes yeah, sense. I, I think, one, let's not overlook that Trubisky mixed two games going into the primetime game against the Rams. I think that affected his play. Definitely his timing. Definitely his comfort level back there. And he admitted he tried to do too much in that game. Two, I think they realized what they were at that point and what they needed to be come the playoffs. The defense was outstanding. The opposition was going to try to zone out Trubisky. So he needed to be become more patient. They needed to control the clock. They needed to establish... They, they inserted more power scheme runs. They needed to change a few things to control the clock. To have safer-than-sorry throws. See, Trubisky still went through his reads against zone defenses. Now, those just turned out to be 8-yard gains, 5-yard gains. Did what he 
had to do. Took his occasional shot. Allen Robinson going deep against 49ers. Obviously, they went deep against the Eagles as well. But I think they realized what identity they wanted for the postseason after the Rams game. Does that make sense? It, I, it, it does, and I think it's accurate. I, I also sort of wonder, and maybe this was a, a question we should have asked yesterday to, to Nagy, does, does he regret it all not opening it up more? I mean, you see that late in that game against the Eagles, and they're taking shots downfield, they found a mismatch, they're going after it, Trubisky's making the throws, and... I don't know. You just wonder what it would like. Would, what would he have opened it up more again if they played the Rams? See, see, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I look back at that film. There was down the field throws for Trubisky, but the protection wasn't good. That's true. Early on in that game, let's be honest. It got better as the game went on. I, I came away convinced that the Eagles thought that they can win the line of scrimmage against the Bears' offensive line. Eagles have a very good defensive front. Very good. We talked about that going into the game. Yeah. That was a huge matchup. Yeah, very diverse in terms of like the, the, the talent pool there, right? Like guys who could do a lot of different things inside and out. They won, I thought, in the first half, especially in the first quarter. Now the Bears' offense got going later. The, the protection got better. Trubisky was going down the field. Double moves were called. You can't run double moves if the protection isn't there. Yeah, that's true. And Trubisky stood in the pocket, took some hits, and got the ball down the field. All promising, but... I just I still think if he had had a second more on that last th- third down throw to Anthony Miller right before the field goal, the yes, field goal, he goes I, in the I, middle a little bit more. I think if he had a half second more protection, yeah, he didn't have it. He had to unload the, the ball. Blitz, yeah, knew he couldn't take a sack. Knew he had to get the ball in the end zone. If he has a half second more before he has to unload that ball, I think Anthony Miller runs under it and the Bears win. Absolutely, I agree with you. And boy, would that have been a hell of a way to win. Oh, man. Mitch Trubisky throwing a walk-off touchdown. We wouldn't have been a walk-off technically. There's still a few seconds on the clock, but... it feel that way. Game-winning yeah, yeah. yeah. touchdown in the playoffs. I mean, we're talking about a totally different storyline. Now, they went z- cover zero. They came, came after him. Came after him. It's tough to to pick everyone up, and especially in that situation where you know you can't take a sack, you got to unload the ball. But the protection could have been better there. Yeah, it wasn't quite picked up properly. There was just a little bit of pressure. He had the, he did the right thing. He yeah. had to unload the football. What, what yard were they on again? It was he had to get some air on it too to make sure he got through the, the end zone as well. Yeah. Well, so what yard line were they on? It was a forty forty three yard field goal. So they were thirty something. Yeah. Whew. What could have been? What could have been? All right, speaking of Mitch, I thought Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy both gave good answers on the growth of number 10 throughout the 2018 season. I thought they um, Nagy does such a good job of, like he just did with the offense, explaining, going from 101 to 202 and the graduation process here. Um you're going to hear more of that here just on the quarterback. Uh, but it starts with Ryan Pace discussing what he saw from Mitch Trubisky this past season. Yeah, I think it was just good to see uh, the natural growth just in the offensive scheme as he gained more comfort and then also more comfort with the players that are around him, that chemistry that developed. And uh, I was just talking to Mitch today about that, just the excitement about going into an offseason um, with the pieces in place around him and then year two in the same offensive scheme and how much growth can take place. So I just felt like you saw him playing more with his instincts because he was more comfortable in the system. As far as steps forward, what, what do you identify as next for Mitchell? For Mitchell, yeah. So uh, I, for him, he, he conquered the next play mentality. He conquered that. Uh, 
he he conquered the steps of 101 progressions by the end of the year he was reading progressions one two three run right that that he conquered uh now i think level two next year is going to be him really recognizing pre-snap what he's about to see from these defenses so last year he was so focused in on what do we do on offense hell i've never run this offense before what does that mean now he knows he knows it all and now he can take that next step of figuring out Okay, here they come. They got a, a, you know, a saw blitz, cover zero. Now I know what to do. I know what to check to, or I know where to put, you know, protection. All that. That's going to be the big one for him. Right. Right. What were some of the moments for you when you watched Mitch this year, where there was a play, a game that told you that there was the progress you were hoping to see from him? Uh, there, there, there's a lot, you know. There's, you know, and it, it all kind of runs together now. But I think anytime, especially with that position, you're looking for when they hit adversity, and then, and then how they respond from that adversity, you know, and so. I think, you know, even as most recent as a playoff game, you know, you go down to that, that final drive or, and to see how he responded in that environment, I think is really encouraging, you know, and just his mental toughness uh, to persevere through those things. And, and I think that bodes well for the future. I'll piggyback that. I'll piggyback that playoff game, what he did at the end. That's uh, that. You go back to your one question about growth and where he's at progression wise. You can't make those up. And he did it. Right. You look at, at um, Matt and his work specifically with Mitch. You, know, you, you hired him to make that pairing. What was your impression of the way they worked together and, and how Mitch responded to Matt's presence? Yeah, I think it was really good. I think, um, first of all, I think as you go forward and Mitch gets more comfortable with the scheme, but then Matt gets more comfortable with Mitch too. And I think that's what, hap- that's what happens with coaches. And it's not just the quarterback, it's the entire roster. So that's as we go into year two, it's our coaches understanding, okay, this guy does this really well. Uh, maybe it's a receiver. This receiver does this really well, but he's not really good in this area. So you can kind of curtail the offense to fit their strengths and weaknesses. So that's going to take place naturally as we go forward. So I think it was you could just feel the relationship between those two grow. You talk about important relationships in the building. The head coach, play caller, and the quarterback, that's pretty critical. And we feel strong about that relationship. We talked about the concern with the, the defense, and we touched on this a little bit earlier about all the changes they're going to have and how they'll. There may be some steps back. If Trubisky takes the steps forward, all that's okay de- defensively. And it should be expected to happen for Trubisky next year. I, the, the evaluation, the expectation, everything for Trubisky, outside, inside, changes next year for him. I think what Nagy said there is so important about him kind of graduating from the progression phase, and I think it's accurate. I mean, I, I thought he had, I thought he struggled with that early in the year, getting through his progressions when there was pressure, his mechanics would break down. He yeah. bailed too early a couple times, run too early, one, two, three, run. You know, he got there by the end of the year. That was progress, and that was that was you could see that on film. So. Hearing him, and then I also remember Nagy, I think it was like after the Cardinals game, back in week three, talking about what he's seen pre-snap and banking all that, putting that in the library, right? Um, And so next year when they come back, especially against divisional opponents, you know, you're going to see the same Packers defense next year. Mike Pettin got retained. Um, You know, as long as Patricia's in Detroit, you're going to see much of the same stuff there. Zimmer's still in, in Minnesota, so you're going to see a lot of the same things there. You see these common opponents. Um, they're going to play the Rams again next year. You know, there's, there's going to be these things where you can, 
you could do all the film study during the week, but to stand there in the moment and process all that and have that in your your memory bank. I think that that's so huge, and that's what Matt's talking about there, about that being the next step for Mitch. And you start adding all those parts together, graduating 101 to 202 to 303, that's when I think Mitch can really blossom into a, a really good quarterback. Yeah, yeah. The, the signs are there. Now, there are... There's still plenty of room for improvement, but I just I think perspective, some context is important here. So he finished with what, like a 95.2 passer rating in his second year in a new offense with a new coach. Mm-hmm. Jay Cutler's career best several years ago with Adam Gase here was what 92.3. I think so. There's a new standard being set for quarterback play in Chicago. Now it won't be all roses next year for Trubisky. He'll have some bad moments. Jared Goff had some bad games this year. Drew Brees had some bad games this year. Tom Brady's had bad games this year. I think at this point you should be hoping that Mitch ends up being better than Jared Goff. Yes, yes. And look, what's his QBR? Like fifth or sixth? Mitch? Yeah. I think he finished third. Third, okay. Now people are quick to criticize. Oh, that's because he's running. Yeah. But it's not like the running is going to go away as part of his, his, his threat. Like Aaron Rodgers, his legs always made him a more... Formidable threat because of what he can do in terms of buying time. He used to scramble for first downs all the time. Yeah. That's part of what Mitch does. He's better at protecting himself than, say, a Deshaun Watson. Than even a Carson Wentz was in his second year. I mean, Carson Wentz tore his ACL midair. How the heck does that happen? <laughs> I don't know. So if he continues to learn how to slide better, continues to learn defenses and even has a better feel for the personnel he's seeing, right? He's going to see Harrison Smith more. He's going to see Xavier Rhodes more. He's going to see those guys from Green Bay more. It's look, be encouraged by what you saw from Mitchell Trubisky this year, but expect more next year. That's all I'll say. By the way, the uh, Bears were at the 25-yard line at the Eagles. We could do math here. Yes. 43 minus 17, 25. I was a math major. I wasn't, actually. That's why I got into journalism, John. Actually, it doesn't make sense anymore. We're not making sense anymore. You know, I actually turned on ESPN last week. John Fox was on the day the Broncos hired Vic Fangio. Like, he could actually give some insight here. (laughs) Knows him well. Knows the team. (sighs) Nothing. Absolutely nothing? I mean, there wasn't it. No. I mean... The guys don't flop it out there and expect to perform like that. The guys are literally going to coach the same players. Same jobs. Same GMs. Used to have the same agents. Come on, John. (laughs) All right. There's one thing we haven't gotten to yet, um, which I found surprising that it blossomed into such a storyline. But the question's fair. Not surprised the question came up. I was surprised that Matt Nagy specifically was as willing as he was to talk about it. Um, And that is the subject of Kareem Hunt, who is currently on the commissioner's exempt list. He uh, has been on that list since November 30th when he was released by the Kansas City Chiefs. Video came out surfaced uh, by TMZ showing him shoving and kicking a woman in a Cleveland hotel room back in February. Uh, The word from Andy Reid was that he wasn't necessarily, he wasn't quickly released just because the video came out, but it was that 
they knew something happened. They were trying to find out what it was. They hadn't seen the video, and they basically told Kareem Hunt, if you're not being honest with us, something comes out on this that proves that you're not telling us the truth, you're gone. Culture. And that's what happened. Andy Reid is a guy who has actually traditionally believed in second chances. And I tend to think if Kareem Hunt had told them the truth from the very beginning, he'd probably still be a chief. Now, he might be suspended or went through a suspension this year. Maybe the whole thing would have played out differently. But the bottom line was he was not truthful about the situation. The video surfaced. The Chiefs quickly caught him. He's now on the commissioner exempt list, uh, which means he can't play. He can't even attend games until um, you know the investigation gets completed and he'll probably, probably be suspended. I don't think he's going to be banned from the league. And he led the league in rushing in 2017 as a rookie in Matt Nagy's offense which is why this question and this whole conversation yesterday, but it started with a question from Mark Potash. Brian, does Kareem Hunt's baggage eliminate him from consideration as creating? That, that's, a, that's a good question. As, as we go into that, um, obviously there's a lot of things off the field that he's got to take care of, you know. Um, you know, Matt knows Kareem, but I, I don't. I don't know Kareem, um, but those things are all going to have to play out. So, Matt, if, if Brian asked you your recommendation on whether or not the Bears, as an organization, should pursue Kareem Hunt, what would you tell him? So, going back to what what he said, there's one thing right now with Kareem, and and uh, and that's worrying about him as a person. Uh, uh, he's, you know, I, I talked to Kareem and as a, completely wanted to know how he's doing, and we had a, a good conversation. And here's a kid that that uh, that I spent a year coaching on offense. Uh, it's a it's a tough situation. I wanted to see uh, making sure that he's okay, but understanding too that you know the the situation that uh, that that happened is unfortunate for everybody, and 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 he knows that. So the only thing I cared about when I talked to him was literally. His personal life, how he's doing, um, and and uh, it was a it was a good conversation. He sounded good, but that's that's it. I mean, I, I the other stuff, that's not where it's at. It's about there's more to it than the than the, the football. So we we talked strictly on that. Uh, it was uh, about a week ago. Yeah. What, was your, what was your experience with him in the year that you had him? What, how would you describe who he is? Yeah, I, I had a I had a really good experience with him, um, and I, I think that uh, you know on the football field you can see what he does. He's a kid that that came out. We had Spencer Ware that went down with an ACL in the preseason, and he came in who we didn't really truly know 100 percent how he's going to be as a player, um, and and then. Uh, uh, so everything that he ended up leading the league in, in rushing last year uh, as a rookie. So that speaks right there. As far as the person, uh, we you know there was for, with with me and, and coaching him and all that stuff. There was no issues at all. He was a, a really really good kid. He came to work every day. wasn't late for meetings. Any of that. So it was obviously a, a surprise and and it's an unfortunate situation for everybody. We all we all understand it. it's a it's a learning lesson for everybody and and. Um, you know that's that's the the biggest thing is is making sure that um, that he understood that when I talked to him and uh, but I also understand there's other parties involved and 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 so does he so that's just that's just that's life and you want to make sure that you you handle it the right way. Does he deserve a second chance? Does he deserve a second chance? 
Well, I'm a I'm a guy that who I don't care who you are. Here, here's what I'll say to this: Everybody's position. Everybody has. When you talk about second chances, well, what's the second chance? Um, is it? Uh, what's your situation? And so, um, w- with with him, that's not for for me to decide. I I will say this: that me personally, depending on certain people's situations, uh, I I'm I'm a guy that has always been that. Now I've I've been kind of raised that way to give guys second chances, not third chances, but I've kind of learned that through Coach Reed. He's he's done that several times with some people. And uh but I also say that every every situation's different. So um, you know, it, it's it's uh that's his situation and I just I wanted to talk to him as a as a uh as a as a as a true on personal side. Would your past signing troubled players affect or, or factor into your decision making process with, with Kareem Hunt? Dave, I think every one of those is unique. Everyone is different. All the circumstances are always different. So we're we're not even we're not even there yet. You know what I mean? It's just you know I know what he is as a as a as a player, obviously from Washington. Matt knows a little bit more about him as a person, but we're not even close to that point. Not close, but this story is not going anywhere. It's on the table. Doors open. Any cliche you want. What did you think about how they handled this yesterday? No problem whatsoever. Yeah, I thought they handled it the right way. I mean, this is always such a complicated conversation. Do you think me, they expected the line of questioning like this? It seemed like it. Yes. It seemed like they were prepared for it. Yes. Or at least comfortable talking about it. Yeah. Even if it was just mentioned by PR boss Brandon Favor walking up there. Hey, just be prepared for this. They I, I think they had answers ready. They didn't seem caught off guard. Absolutely not. So, um... I mean, Ryan even, I believe he first started answering Potsy's question by calling it a good question. Yes. You know? Yes. So it was a relevant question. I'm. Let me be clear that there's no excuse for what Kareem Hunt did. Uh, the video is bad. Real bad. And if I was the general manager, I probably wouldn't sign him. That being said, I'm not the general manager, and I also think it's fair to look at the NFL as its own separate business, and if they're going to allow the guy to be eligible to play, then I think if you're one of the 32 general managers or one of the 32 head coaches in the league, you have to do your due diligence to look at a player like that, evaluate all the facts whatever comes out in the investigation, what exactly happened that night. The video looks terrible, but it also lacks some context. I mean, I'm not saying there's any excuse at all for what happened, but it is, you have to do your due diligence to find out what the circumstances were. Well, usually altercations start for certain reasons, right? But beyond that, I I, I think you also have to look at uh, the, the subject's whole life, you know? Does is it can one night determine uh you know but a whole person's character? But it's not one night. I think ESPN reported what not too long ago they're looking at three separate off the field incidents. Which is comp- yeah. One at Hunt's house in June. I'm looking at an ESPN report here, and another at a nightclub in January. Yeah. So there's a history here. So in terms of what Matt Nagy said, second chance. I, I, I believe in second chances. Always have. 
but certain situations affect those second chances. And it looks like we're talking about maybe third and fourth chances here for Kareem Hunt. And when is this investigation of the NFL, for the NFL going to be concluded? Is it going to be over in time by free agency? Is it going to be over in time for the draft? And what is that punishment going to be? I, I, I believe there's going to be a punishment. Yeah. Whether it's six games, ten games, whole season, there's going to be something coming. I mean, Zeke Elliott got suspended for, I mean, his behavior was inappropriate, but it wasn't this. And it didn't have a video like this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, no. this, this, this is different. And I know charges weren't filed in this latest incident that we're talking about, but there's still video of it. People have seen it. And there's so many angles here. I mean, you... you you also have to evaluate. I mean, you have this locker room. We just spent a whole year talking about how it's filled with good dudes. No distractions. We guys, not me guys, that whole thing. And all it took was one Cody Parkey appearance on the Today Show to, to see him, you know, kind of get yeah, yeah pushed aside. So and now these are different situations. I don't even want to like compare. Oh, I'm them. not. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah, just yeah. I'm just talking about how they've built this locker room and then they reacted to this one situation. Now, what what I also think is relevant is you can be a bad person off the field and make terrible, I don't even want to call it mistakes, but terrible decisions. Um to be in the situation like Kareem Hunt is and still be the guy that you heard Matt Nagy discuss there as a good kid, somebody who was never a problem in the Chiefs building, showed up to meetings on time, was a good teammate and all those things. And that's where I think it's kind of tricky where as bad as this looks and as bad as uh, you know, he's going to get labeled as a bad guy, which he obviously is for something that we have on tape it's awful. on a video could still sort of fit the culture that they built. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's yeah. It, that's what makes these football things so complicated. Whereas the Antonio Brown conversation came up, and I'm like, Antonio Brown does not fit this team, no, no. at all, because there's he is too much, a me guy. There's too much me there. Too much me there. Do you remember when Ray McDonald was cut? There was a tweet from Kyle Long. I can't remember it exactly, but I feel like it was good riddance. Yeah, I mean, that whole thing was bad. Yes. So, in terms of this being on the table, knowing what we know about the Ray McDonald thing and how this now transpires for the Bears, it could be on the table for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, but this is something that has to go to the desk of George McCaskey. Absolutely, especially given that he signed off on Ray McDonald and it was a disaster. Yes. It completely backfired. So, I tend to think... Nothing's going to come of this because there could, there's a possible suspension looming. And if you're in the win now mode, look, you're going to make moves before that, and you may find a guy you like. Uh, Ryan Pace, I put this on Twitter earlier. Him and his staff have been excellent in finding good players in the mid rounds. Eddie Jackson, Tariq Cohen, Jordan Howard, you can go on and on. They're good, and there's a history of finding good backs in the third, fourth rounds. Alvin Kamara, third rounder. Kareem Hunt's a third rounder. Phil Lindsay, the uh, the Pro Bowl running back for the Broncos, undrafted guy. Three Cohen, fourth rounder. 
You can find good players for scouting a sound. Go find yourself a new Kareem Hunt. That's what I would do. Look at the Chiefs. I mean, Damian Williams. They haven't missed. They haven't skipped a beat. Like it, it, it looked like it was like a week or two adjustment, but then they found Damian Williams and he's fine. Even I mean, Matt Nagy said himself, Spencer, where was the starter before Kareem Hunt took over? He got hurt. As good as Mahomes was the other night, they won that game because they were able to run the ball. Yeah. A lot of teams ran the ball really well in the playoffs. Which is the key. I mean... I think another thing that comes out of this conversation is they're looking for someone that is not Jordan Howard. With all due respect to Jordan Howard, you fit this offense to a certain point. You may not be fast enough, you're not elusive enough, and you can't catch the ball well enough. Good player, not a good fit for this offense. Yeah, I I, I agree, um, and I think that that's like the football side of the Kareem Hunt thing is he would be a better fit to this offense than Jordan Howard is. Yes, um, and we saw that in Kansas City. I mean, it's the same offense, and he's obviously a really good player, led the league in rushing. So, I mean, if you could pick up a guy like that without giving up one of your few draft picks that you have, not wasting, I don't want to say waste, but having used that third-round pick on a running back, I could see why it's on the table. But I'm with you. I tend to agree. You can find another cream hunt. I mean, it's the running back position in 2019 in the NFL. You can find a, a free agent. It could possibly fit that. And undrafted guys, there, there are so many avenues to, to address this without making the controversial move. Yeah. I, I, I tend to think that way, especially now with the information we have now. Yes. And that video, which looks terrible. Again, it's, more, it's inexcusable. It's more than one incident. The, the video, it's tough to stomach. Like, it's tough to watch. You don't want to watch it. No. You know, it's, it's, look, again, I believe in second chances, but certain situations do not lend to certain second chances. But this thing's not going away until the Bears say that they're not in on them. Yes. Yes. So, and we all, again, we don't know the suspension. We don't know what's happening here. It's, it's, uh, well, to me, I, I think the one takeaway, if, if, you know, with or without Kareem Hunt, is I think the Bears are looking for an upgraded running back. Not that Tariq Cohen is not a threat. He will continue to be one next year. They just need someone who's a little bit more diverse in his skill set. That was the one thing, part of the reason why I was, Jordan Howard. I was so surprised that they were so open about this conversation. Is like, if you're just Jordan Howard or Jordan Howard's agent watching this press conference... It's like, wait a minute. What about me? I mean, I'm still under contract. Like, they're even having a discussion about bringing a guy that hit a woman on on a video. Like, it it was really that part of it was kind of odd. Yes. I like. I I I think it like the situation with Jordan Howard's already kind of awkward. I think that just escalated the awkwardness. You know, I think the Bears are okay with that. You know, you can criticize the offensive line and Nagy for not relying on the run game. But maybe in their own evaluations, maybe they thought the runs were there and Jordan Howard wasn't patient enough or, or he pressed the wrong hole. I'm sure it's a combination of both. I also think the Bears, the offensive line is a huge question this offseason. you got to make upgrades. Like, they have... They but, they, have but, but where, though? You only have one opening, really. Right tackle, Bobby Massey. Yeah, but... It's never too soon to start looking at the future. You're talking about right guard. Right guard. Although I thought... 
See, I thought Kyle Long made it, made a difference in the first half of the Vikings game. I don't know that he had a great game against the Eagles. So they didn't have a good game. So yeah, I, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, competition as a whole, whether it's the same players or different players, they need to play better. Yes, they need to be more consistent throughout the season. They need to help Mitch Trubisky more consistently. They're not a bad unit at all. No, that's not what I'm saying. No. Pass protection, I thought they were okay, but they could get better. Yes. So that's that's a key to get the running game going. As a whole, I think that's a big big theme for 2019. Again, look at more consistent running. Look game. at the playoff teams. Look at the New England Patriots. The Rams, how many yards did they have on the ground? 269. And they got CJ Anderson out there who looks completely out of shape. He's <laughs> been on seven <laughs> different teams this season and he's just running all over the Cowboys. They had a good defense. Good for him. Good for him. Good for him. I think that the the Cowboys were a bit exposed, huh? A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think the 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 Rams are running for two hundred and seventy yards against the Bears. I don't think so either. But I didn't think they'd do that against the Cowboys. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, like C.J. Anderson's bubble, but it's hard to stop. I think at some point you got to give Sean McVay some credit. I mean, um, they were consistently. Taking Leighton Vander Ash out of the picture and running away from him. I mean, they could have done that to Danny Trevathan. Good they, scheme. They, they, I mean, I, I get yeah, 270 or whatever it was, probably not. But I think they would have found a way to run. They might have been, the, especially because they had already played the Bears. Yeah, okay. I, I guess what they, they would have been better than what Todd Gurley did in, in round one at Soldier Field. Like, if you ask me right now, do I think the Bears would have won that game Saturday night? I kind of think they would not have. I think the offense would have struggled to score points, and I, I the, the scheme in that game was brilliant. I mean, Sean McVay did a really, really good job. The offense, they, they they executed so well. I think they would have found. I mean, heck, the Eagles found a way to score enough points. Yeah, they did. I, I think the Rams would have found a way to win that game. I hate to say it. I don't. I thought going into the playoffs, I was thinking the Bears were going to lose in New Orleans in the championship game. Like that was kind of my. Look ahead prediction, but it's it's impossible to know because you didn't actually see the matchups. But watching that game Saturday night, I came away from thinking I think the Bears would have lost a close game here. What could have been? It would have been what fun could to have see. Been? Would have been fun to cover that game. But instead of talking about the Today Show, I'm rooting for Rams Chiefs Super Bowl because of the, their first matchup. Kind of, but also, I don't know. I don't, that means you're going to get Saints-Patriots. I don't need to cover another Super Bowl with the Patriots in it. I think it's going to be Saints-Patriots. Saints is fine. But I, 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 I the storylines, connections to the Bears. I like Rams, Chiefs. Okay. How about that? How about that? We should get out of here. It's been a long podcast, but there's a lot to cover. Um, I think Joe fell asleep. That's fine. Oh, he's yep. playing it. I definitely did. <laughs> Hi, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Hey, yeah, buddy. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. Al, Al didn't fall asleep. My favorite robot official. Hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. <laughs> it's like a Simpson episode clip. <laughs> All right. I think we're going to take a little break here. Oh, maybe a, you got the Super Bowl? Maybe a week off. I'm, I'm going to be, yeah, I'm going to be in Atlanta. You want to tease that a little bit? Go ahead. Well, we don't really know what we're doing yet <laughs> so never mind <laughs> no we're gonna have some great content coming out of the super bowl whether it's hogan johns or 
other content we put out. We're still working on all that. I do Details. Think, I do think even though you're not going to be there, we should figure out a way to bust out one podcast. Yeah, give me, me a call. Atlanta. Give me a call. We, we, can, we can make that happen. I'll be around. So uh, a lot of good content coming up. I do think we're probably going to take a week off here, though, in case some other big news breaks. Um, they got to figure out the staff and all that. But, hey, we still got to meet Chuck Pagano. It's been fun. We'll talk to you sometime soon, I guess. How was that? Yeah. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. 